Hear now the first verses of the Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you want another reason to feel sorry for my wife, here it is. The way my mind works. The other night we were out and saw a color in a room and began debating what color it was. I said it was blue. She said it was purple. We disagreed. There was a stranger nearby, so I asked him without indicating which I had said, what he thought the color was, and he agreed with me. Sally wasn't satisfied. She asked the server which color she thought it was, and she agreed with me. I let that pass. A few minutes later, we were discussing something, and I was pretty sure I knew the answer to the trivia question we were discussing. It was not that important, but I was sure I was right. So I pulled out my brilliant phone, and I was right. I looked over to the man who had helped me with the color previously, gave him a a nod to let him know I was right. He shook his head and said, you're going to need to be wrong about something soon. (laughs) Boy, was he right. Men, I want you to learn from my lesson. Sometimes it is wrong to be right. Yes, I can be that guy. For example, I can parse words forever. I don't know if I'm being philosophical, theological, or just plain annoying. But I can take a simple question that an eight-year-old would ask, something like, when does basketball begin, and make it far too complicated. Well, if you mean, when do basketball practices begin, I can give you the date, but that's not when basketball began. It began in 1891. When James Naismith needed a way to get exercise for boys who had too much energy at the YMCA in Springfield, Massachusetts. But it began with your your family sometime after that. Maybe your great-grandparents played in class one day. Or maybe your grandparents played on a team. Or maybe your parents grew up watching Duke dominate the ACC. I don't know when it began for you, but you know. So Thursdays at 5.30, is that when I should be at practice? Yes, that's when practices begin. And I'll understand if you want a different coach. In my defense, I think all of life deserves to be thought through. 
because all of life gives us the opportunity to learn. All of life is interesting and curious and theological. God is present and Jesus' disciples are out representing Him in each decision we make and every action we take. Life deserves attention because there is no separation between faith and life. Which is why I get tired of words being thrown around without much thought. That's why I gave you who read my twice-weekly emails an assignment on Friday. I wanted you to consider what is the gospel. I was hoping you'd go beyond the memorized definition or at least expand on what you mean by the good news of Jesus Christ. One way to consider what you think the gospel is is to consider how you would explain it to a child. Let's say that same eight-year-old who just wanted to know when to show up for basketball practice asked you, what is the gospel? What would you say? It won't be enough to tell her it's the good news of Jesus Christ. It won't even be enough to tell her that Jesus came and lived among us, ministered, died, rose again. We might use Mark as an example. From the very start, he is telling us about Jesus. Even in his introductory sentence, Mark tells us two things about Jesus that he'll spend the rest of his gospel underscoring. That Jesus is the Christ The Messiah, the one that people have been waiting for for a thousand years. And that He is the Son of God. Those who were waiting for the Messiah had all kinds of hopes and expectations of Him. Including that He would take up their cause. That that He would bring justice and peace and better days for their people. What they had to learn was that He wasn't going to do that as a soldier or as a king the way David had done it. He was the Son of God. He would take up their cause, bring justice and peace and better days by being God with us, God among us, God in our flesh and also in our business. He would fight for us against blindness and demons and hunger and sin and death. He would choose the side of the humble and He would ask His followers to join Him in the same. Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, would be righteous, which is why the prophets told us that we had to prepare a way for Him. He would be righteous, which is why John the baptizer was out there in the wilderness calling people to turn toward God, away from that which was not of God, and to be forgiven, to have a new start through the waters of baptism. John did this in the wilderness, a remote, unimportant place that became important because of what he had to offer. It became so compelling that people would leave Jerusalem, the seat of power, to make their way to him, to receive this gift John had. Only John's gift was limited. He knew it. He didn't let his fame and popularity go to his head. Unlike so many who climb to power on boasts and remain in power by ignoring or putting down those with a better way, John was quick to note his own inferiority to the one who was to come. John said the one who was to come was more powerful, so much so that John was not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. The one who was to come would baptize with the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us. And that sounds like the gospel, the good news to me, but even that's not enough. 
The eight-year-old deserves stories to illustrate the gospel. Stories like Jesus saw children and, and loved them and invited them to him and blessed them. Stories that Jesus told which caused you to think differently about the people you were told to dislike. Stories about Jesus making friends with the people you were told to dislike. Stories about Jesus dying on the cross for you and for the people you were told to dislike. Stories about Jesus rising from the dead and returning among us and asking us to join Him in telling His story and living His teachings and showing His love. And that sounds like the gospel, like good news to me, but even it is just the beginning, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Which reminds me of something else worth thinking about today. Where the gospel begins. It might bother those of us who live in these flat lands to think, know that at least twice in Isaiah, the mountains are the location for the gospel. We heard one of those today, Isaiah verse 9 of chapter 40. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Isaiah 52, 7 continues the theme. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of the messenger who announces peace, who brings good news, who announces salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Even so, the question of where the gospel begins is not a question of geography. It's like all theology. It ends up being a question of who. That John went out into the wilderness indicates a gospel that is concerned for those on the fringes of society. That the prophets were quoted indicates a gospel rooted in a faith's ancestor. That Jesus is held up as powerful and righteous and the Holy Spirit as the gift He brings indicates a gospel that is centered on God. And that this isn't the first time you are hearing about this indicates a gospel that is passed on by faithful people in your life. The gospel begins then not in a place but in a telling, a retelling of what the prophets anticipated. John experienced and your foremothers and forefathers in the faith proclaimed. The gospel begins and ends in Jesus Christ, whose life was among us and is among us. And that is the good news. Which leaves one more question for today. When? When was or is or will be the gospel? What I like in Mark's telling of it is that the gospel was then, right then, immediate. He uses the word immediate 27 times in his short gospel, which is the same amount as it's used in Matthew, Luke, and John combined. Mark demonstrates urgency. We, work, we don't work our way into the story. It's immediately upon us. There's no genealogy, no birth narrative, no poetic connection back to creation active and powerful adult Jesus right from the start. And if you are one of those on the margins of society held down by an oppressive government or religion or economic situation or buckling under the weight of sin, desperate for a new start, a new opportunity, an infusion of grace and mercy into your life, you would appreciate the immediacy 
of this gospel. You would want to know that the good news of Jesus Christ wasn't something long ago or something that's way off in the future, but that it is right now. And if you're like me, you want to know that the good news of Jesus Christ is right now because we, too, don't have time to wait. We see the struggle in this life for many. We despair over the headlines and the news footage. We cry out, how long, O Lord? The discrepancy between what we believe God wants for all of His creation and what is happening to and among His creatures is a great chasm indeed. So yes, this season in Advent is a reminder that we must wait for the final consummation of the kingdom of God. But I don't believe that means that this is a season of waiting passively. And I don't believe that we are to wait as though we are waiting without God. What I want that eight-year-old to know about the gospel, the good news, is that God is among us now. As Isaiah 40 proclaims, here is your God. Your God is here The good news of Jesus Christ is that He is among us, which answers the what of the gospel, the where of the gospel, and the when of the gospel. So the risk of causing that stranger's head to shake again, let me advise. For the sake of your relationship, do be wrong sometime soon. But don't be wrong about this. The gospel may have begun in the past. But it can begin anew in you right now. It may have taken root in the wilderness in Judea, but it can take root in your heart today. It may be about Jesus from the beginning to the end, but in His graciousness, Jesus has invited you into His gospel. And so I urge us to be about the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, Son of God, now. Because we all need it right now.